Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we talk to industry leaders Da-da! and figure out how they do what they do, how they grow their people, and how they grow their organizations, and how they grow their revenue. And today I have Mitch Parker. Mitch Parker, welcome to the program, and tell us what you do. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here today. Um, so my name is Mitch Parker, and I've been involved in the real estate industry for 17 years now. Um, I originally started as an investor. Um, I got a real estate license to buy my own properties and started teaching other people people how to build wealth through real estate. Didn't you watch Scarface, Don't Get High on Your Own Supply? So you became an agent. <laughs> Please go on. Became an agent for access to the MLS and just organically started showing people um, how to build wealth through real estate. Um, I worked on the client side for a long time. Right. And then I switched over. I was in-house with a developer running all their marketing and sales for a long time. Um, I worked for an external marketing company doing marketing and sales for a lot of the top developers in the GTA. And my recent transition is back over to the client side, but helping teams expand train and ultimately increase the volume in their productivity brilliant and just for you dear viewers and listeners gta is greater toronto area oh yes and toronto is like a mega city it's uh, how many what's the population these days so the the actual core is uh, over two million now and, and the greater is uh, i believe it's up to three and a half now kind of thing cool. is what i think the number is but uh, you know what it's it's really come into its own in the last, I would say, five years. You know, people, when you when you were traveling to a different country, mm-hmm. if you said you were from Toronto, people wouldn't really know where you were talking about, right? They'd be like, oh, is that in Canada? And they yeah. would barely know. Now, it's like Toronto, right? They, they either know the real estate or they know Drake. <laughs> What's kind of interesting is uh, I used to live here about 18, 20 years ago. No, holy crap, 91. 30 years ago, I used to live in Toronto. And back then, when there was something like a big Star Wars movie or Phantom of the Opera, it only opened in three places in North America, uh, New York, LA, and Toronto. So even then it was a mega city in terms of how important it was for audiences. So Mitch, leading teams is challenging, but leading realtors is extra challenging. (laughs) So uh, what's that like? And how do you kind of, what's the best way of describing your role in getting realtors to perform at a higher level? So it's a great question. And you know, I think every agent or every person that comes to the team or the who I'm working with, right. they all have different goals and objectives, right? Some are fueled by money, um, some want recognition, others are looking for a number of other reasons. And so finding out what really motivates people and their ultimate purpose and why is super important because then that can almost light the fire under them. Absolutely. And they need a lot less um, external accountability once they discover what really drives them forward. So let me kind of dig into that a little bit. Uh, So if I went out in another office in this building and I went to someone, what's the most important thing when you get a job? Number one answer, money, compensation. But I say, okay, uh, that's important. How important is your boss? 
Well, that's really important. That's actually more important than the money. And how important are your coworkers? And how important is learning? And all of a sudden, money comes down to number eight. So when you first ask realtors what's important to you, some of them are going to say money and some of them are going to say recognition. Mm -hmm. How do you dig down a little bit deeper to validate that's exactly what they want as opposed to the illusion they have of what they want? Like, do you have a story where you were working with an agent and you helped them discover, no, this is what you think it is, but what really drives you is this, hot sure. women or whatever, you know? Sure. So, um, I, you know, one conversation that I, I have with people sometimes mm -hmm. is, What's your goal? What's your revenue goal for the right. year? And everybody's automatic default answer is a mm -hmm. million people, right? A million oh, yeah. dollars, I should say. Everyone's automatic answer is a million dollars per year. And it's like, well, why do you want to make a million dollars? So a is year? it a million or is it one million dollars? <laughs> one trillion dollars. So we were doing it for the listeners. We were doing the Austin Powers, Dr. Evil thing That's with a right. pinky. <laughs> so yeah, so they say a million is so the nature of response. Yeah. And so my first question is, so that's great. If you made $500,000, would you be happy? And most of the time they say, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, your number's not a million, it's 500,000. If you made 250,000, would you be happy? Yeah. Okay, so your number's not 500,000, it's 250. And you kind of keep scaling downwards until you hit their number. And that is what I would say is the base of how you figure out what really is gonna motivate somebody. And then I think it's just a matter of you, you deal with enough people and you have enough conversations and you're transparent with enough people to the point where you start to understand people where mm -hmm. even if they come to you and they say I'm really motivated by money after you know 15 minutes of talking by asking the right questions you can find out pretty quickly is it really money that's the motive and listen if money is the motive hallelujah I think, praise the lord I think that's that's fine if you're self-aware to know that money listen Realtors work exceptionally hard. The good ones work insanely hard. And they are often driven by um, money and by t recognition are the two biggest factors. And so um, I think if you understand that and you run with it and, and you embrace that, that's great. And sometimes when you uh, keep on doing the money thing, you know, with $100,000, how much do you earn now? I earn $40,000 now. Before you find that out, what do you want to earn? A million dollars. And sometimes you come down and they're going to be happy with 50. And it's like, okay, then money actually isn't a motivator at all. Because, mm -hmm. you know, might as well stay where you're at. Why go through? Real estate is a painful business. So here's the paradox. The reality is real estate is a super easy business, except for doing the behaviors you need to do to be profitable. And so that's all mindset. So tell me where mindset comes in and maybe give me a, an agent story. I was working with this agent, yep. changed their name to protect the innocent. Where was their mindset getting in the way, making them doubt themselves or stay away from prospecting? <laughs> so um, one thing that I've dealt with, so there's a, a few points that mm -hmm. I make on that. So one is I totally agree. Real estate's not a complicated business. Where it becomes difficult and where most people struggle is consistency. Yes. So, you know, we sell pre-construction. It's very heavily reliant on um, our current existing database. Right. And online leads. And the agents get onto the phone and they have conversations with people. And you're ultimately converting people to, hey, I'm interested in this development to I'm buying the site. Right. And there's no difficult part in that process. It's just consistently making calls, following up, texting people, doing that. So everybody can do that for a day, two days, three days. And then I see over time- It lags. That, that cliff, right? You hit the cliff. So it's 
ensuring that agents stay engaged, ensuring that they're focused on the long-term goals mm -hmm. of what they really want to accomplish. And it's ensuring that they push through the boring part of it because every career, no matter what you do, at some point gets boring. And so if you can push through that boring component yes. into the point where it just becomes an automatic habit, then you're winning because then you don't even think about making the calls. It, it just, just becomes happens. automatic and it happens. Kind of adding into that, uh, every single human being on planet Earth has a purpose in life. And the only problem is most people don't know what that purpose is. And when you uncover that purpose and on the path to that purpose, if prospecting is part of it, then it just becomes something you do wholeheartedly because it's allowing you to fulfill who you are as a human being. And I think ultimately as leaders, as agents, as uh, building owners, figuring out the fundamental stuff of being human. What's your purpose? What are your values? Where the biggest fears are? Where the biggest opportunities for you to grow and shine are is your duty as a human being. Because when you do that, it allows you to freaking shine and that light inspires other people to go on the journey as well. And I think the other interesting thing is People tend to place so much pressure on themselves mm -hmm. to find their purpose and that if they search long enough, it's going to all of a sudden appear from the sky one day. Whereas I think the reality is you're sort of on this journey where the purpose is changing as you grow because every time, every day that passes, you gain more information about life. And so your perspective changes. Mm -hmm. And so I think the focus needs to be less on the end and more on what can I be doing now to move me along to where I think I ultimately want to go. Cool. But if you get there and it's not where you want to go, that's okay. You just have to adjust and spend some time thinking about where you think the next step is. Brilliant. So. When you have a team, you have uh, high performers in your team, and you've got people that are doing a decent job and then low performers. How do you balance your time between the three groups? It's a great question, and it's something that we're always tweaking. I think a lot of it comes down to um, systems. It comes down to communication. And then it comes down to being adaptable mm -hmm. to be able to easily shift from your learning the 101s versus another group is doing advanced objection handlers. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done um, with the team specifically here at My Condo Source is we've broken down the training really into four different parts. Mm -hmm. So every agent is always in one of those four quadrants. Right. And so it becomes very easy to know what is the material going to be covered? How do you move somebody from quadrant one to quadrant two? Mm -hmm. What's required? And then everybody is on a different journey and ensuring that they're all progressing forward is so, is so important. So having that system, I believe, is key. So let's say, uh, I'm not sure what the number is. I'll let you clarify. Mm -hmm. Let's say the number is 30 transactions. Agents can get in a, sometimes luckily right out of the gate, but sometimes, you know, it might take two, three years to get to the 30 transaction and then they stay stuck there for a while and they do the jump up to like the 50 or the 60. Mm -hmm. What insight do agents need to have to make that jump faster? Because by 30 transactions a year, they know what they're doing. They're doing the behaviors. What gets in the way of them making the next jump up to the next level, do you think? So, so pre-construction and resale, I think are very different, different animals. in terms of expectations. Resale is a bit more of a challenge to do larger volume right. because you physically run out of time. You have to drive clients around. You have to do open houses. Your client who you put four offers with in the east end of the city all of a sudden decides that maybe the west end is better. And so you're restarting the process. So it's very time heavy. Whereas 
in pre-construction, when we have a launch, you can sit at a table for a weekend with all these leads funneling in and really be very efficient with your time and sell, you know, 10, 12 units in a weekend if you're nice. doing a really good job. And that's what some members of our team are, are doing. Obviously, the more advanced agents. But the great thing is, um, when I'm working with our team, it doesn't take that long to get to that point. So nice. 30 transactions a year is actually well below our threshold expectation. Mm -hmm. We want every agent to be consistently be writing between five and seven deals every month. Nice. Yeah. And, and again, like because it's scalable, it's not like doing resale where it really becomes unmanageable. And this is the first pre-construction conversation I've had in the 210 episodes. Nice. So I'm learning too. So I think to answer your question yeah. of how do you take the agent from the baseline of your expectations, because yeah. it doesn't matter what that number right. is, but it's the baseline of your expectations to that next level. So it comes down to um, ensuring that they're open-minded, ensuring that they're coachable and trainable, and then really sitting down with them one-on-one -on -one and figuring out where are they lacking, right? Because everybody's on a constant improvement. So give me two real-world examples of two different agents. Yep. And like I said, uh, always the caveat is don't say who it is. Sure. But say, the reason I want you to do that, then you're thinking of a specific human being in a yeah. specific circumstance. So tell me about two of those conversations, where they were stuck, mm -hmm. and how you helped them get the epiphany to get unstuck and get to the next level. Okay, so one would be... Um, a lot of people come in, so this agent, I'll use this agent, yeah. came in when they spoke to clients on the phone. It was very, they told them things, right? right? It wasn't asking them questions. Right. They were doing most of the talking. Right. And so I'm sitting down with them, listening to their phone calls and seeing that they're not converting. And when they finish three or four calls, I'm adjusting them each call a little nice. bit. But at the end of it, the summary is, if you're doing most of the talking on a call, you're going to lose. Yeah, or uh, the, the way I've always heard it is whoever talks the most wins and you win a no sale. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. You win what you got. So, so brilliant. So that's one example. So what we were able to do is take their conversation from more of like a tell style mm -hmm. where they were, I said, what you're doing on the phone is great if you're standing in front of a room or at a seminar because you're giving people like the overview yeah. and then you're answering questions at the end. When you're actually speaking to a human, it has to be more of a natural, organic conversation. That and also you're actually addressing what their focus is. Right. As opposed to just telling them everything because 90% of what you told them is boring. Just those two things that they're interested in questioning gets you there. Yes. And before you go to the next one, one of the things I've done in the past is getting someone that works on the phones say, okay, do me a favor, who's your best friend? It's like, it's John. Call John up and invite him to the movies this weekend and record that call. Right. And then have them do a client call and then have them listen to both and hear the tonality of their voice. Right. And just, it's stark and people go, oh my God, here I sound natural and warm and over here my throat is tight and you can hear the tension in it and sometimes that's transformative when they can hear themselves in the two different arenas. So we have, we have all of our agents actually yeah. um, record their pitches. Cool. Yeah. So they record their conversations, um, whether it's with a client, they record the yeah. audio, or when they're learning a site True. to actually record what they're saying so they can do that. Have them call a friend too, and you'll notice the difference in warmth. Yeah, that's, good that's there, and that oftentimes gets them to understand it quickly. So, what's the second thing? Second agent that you helped. So um, another another example that I would say is, and this is 
I'll, I'll give the example based on it being one agent, mm-hmm. but a number of agents struggle with it. Oh yeah, it's it's transitioning from having the conversation with the person on the other end of the line, mm-hmm. where you're in a position of control, where you're ultimately having a good conversation, informing them, but getting what you want out of it, right. which is ultimately, you know, in pre-construction, a worksheet or an appointment at the sales center or a sale. And so there seems to be a lot of struggle with agents who they're almost like afraid to ask. So it's a common one that I have. I have it with a lot of agents. And it's just, how do you solve it? You basically normalize the process for them and explain to the clients on the other end of the line that this is a normal part of the process. Whereas I I teach all my people on the team, you know more than 99% of the general public Mm -hmm. about real estate, about the process. Most people are not studying the latest pre-construction projects on a daily day-to-day basis, right? And so when you're speaking to the clients, they're gonna rely on you for the information. And it's very powerful when you're answering their questions and asking them the right questions to get to a point where you're saying, and I just wanna let you know, are you familiar with the pre-construction process? No. Here's what it is. It's a normal process. We go through it all the time with all of our clients. And just setting that expectation that this is normal. On the other end of the phone, the person's like, oh, okay, this is a normal process. So then when you ask for a worksheet, when you ask for a bank draft, when you ask for an appointment at the sales center, it's just... This is what we do all the time. So so that's like uh, leadership 101, and most leaders don't do it. And it's just setting expectations, whether you're leading a team or a sales conversation. It just lets people know. And it's like, okay, I get this. It makes yeah. perfect sense. As opposed to give me this. And it's like, well, why do you need that? Yeah. And it just, uh, same thing with leadership. When you're guiding people, say, I want you to do this. There's questions there. But if you frame it up with expectations, get to joyful collaboration and obedience. No. <laughs> and people also need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. So there's always a reason for the activities that happen. And so by simply taking two minutes to explain it to the person, I think goes a long way to get them to ultimately say yes. And just going back to high school, uh, you know, if teachers told kids why you need to learn this uh, more effectively, they'd kind of go, okay. Because most kids are like, why are we learning this? Right. And the parents are saying, I'm not sure why you're learning it either. Yes, exactly. It's the lessons that come from it. There's an expression that I love. It's like, adults don't raise kids. Kids raise adults. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So being a leader, leading your charges, how have you developed as a leader? Because sometimes when you have to teach stuff and guide stuff, you kind of get your own distinctions and epiphanies. Yeah, that's why we do it. So where have you grown as a leader just by doing what you do? Every day. I mean, it's so I... There's a transition point that a lot of realtors specifically reach in their career, mm-hmm. which is you just run out of your time and what you can do on a personal mm-hmm. level. And if you want to keep growing, you need to expand beyond yourself. Right. And that's where I think a lot of agents struggle because they go from great salesperson on an individual basis yep. to now I need this totally different set of skills mm-hmm. in leadership. and enable people to see my vision and buy into my vision so that I can get them what they want, but at the same time, they can get me what I want, right? It's gotta be that mutual relationship. Brilliant. And so how do, how have, in terms of my personal life, I mean, I was an agent for a long time. Right. And then, um, and I still am, I'm still an active broker. Uh, and then I started managing um, a team when I was on the development marketing side of it. And now with this team of resale agents, 
I'm learning every day. I think you have to be, it's important to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. It's important where, and I tell my guys and my, you know, the girls on my team all the time, if you guys see something and you think it can be done better, tell me. If there's a problem, I want you to openly be able to come right. to me and discuss the problem. And so the learning is never done. You're always improving. Um, how do you become a good leader? I think it's listening more than you speak. And then I think it's always thinking of the high-level vision of the team Brilliant. because that's what takes the priority is you have to – the team has to drive you ne- – like at the same time and in sync in a direction that you all want to go in. And that becomes very easy to differentiate the people who are buying into it right. and the people who are not. And the people who are not, they're just not the right fit. And it's nothing personal and it's a very – friendly open conversation but it's like i just don't think you're going to work here be work out well here because we're all going this way and you seem to want to be going that way right makes sense brilliant so a couple of things before we uh end this interview uh number one uh, i think happiness is a measure of a great life great leadership great relationships in a moment if you could tell me what makes you happy and if you can just look at the camera when you what makes you happy uh so i mean Everybody always jokes that I'm a super happy guy to begin with anyway. So really what makes me happy, I love animals. Um, so anything helping animals is very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, the other thing is I like seeing other people succeed. So if I'm able to teach them a lesson or help them record a real estate video, we just shot a uh, an agent's first development video nice. uh, this week that I just edited and put together. And like just seeing the the look on his face when he watched it, um, he was so happy. He like showed his mom. It was like the funniest ah, thing ever. Brilliant. And so like I got a lot of personal reward from that. I got a lot of happiness from that. So I'd say like helping others and then animals is a big part of my life as well. Brilliant. Second question we're going to ask uh, looking at the camera is uh, what's one mind hack or a tool you use to be more productive, happier, more efficient? What would you uh, share with our listeners and viewers this little technique that lets you become awesomer? Let's you become awesomer. So one do what makes you happy you'll never ever come to end of life regretting if you always lead with what you believe will ultimately make you happy right and then another point and i'm only supposed to have one but i'll throw a second one in there as well provide as much value to other people when you're having conversations as possible you can't ask for something in advance before providing value. It's something that I explain to my team all the time. And when you do provide value, you separate yourself from the competition and people are way more likely to engage with you and ultimately give you what you want at the end of the day. Brilliant. Mitch, thank you so much for coming on the program. I learned a lot and uh, thanks for sharing your wisdom. Thanks for having me. It was great to be here. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 